Welcome to the Perkins Platform. This is a solutions-oriented podcast and live radio show. Each broadcast, we dedicate just about 30 minutes to explore topics of interest for leaders and professionals in education and a variety of other disciplines. And this is your host, Brian Perkins. So welcome back, everyone. This is a pre-recorded broadcast, so you won't be able to call in today. But I am so excited because I have um, what I'm considering a really important conversation with someone on the front lines who's now utilizing AI, that's it, artificial intelligence in schools. And I, uh, this person has worked in education for over uh, well over a decade as a teacher, an instructional designer, and an education technology trainer. Uh, you'll see in just a moment has so many certifications and and talks. Will talk to us about her thoughts about AI, but really about a lot of other pieces of of. Uh, technology. And so I'm pleased to introduce you to Carly Gantuis. So welcome, Carly. Hi, Brian. Thank you. Well, <laughs> I'm so glad to have you. Um, we have, uh, we've had so many people that are researchers and people that write about things. And I'm not saying that they don't have your know, kind of accurate opinions or valid uh, opinions, but you are, in fact, on the front line. So that's why I'm really, really excited to talk to you today um, as someone who is a teacher and a designer. So I'd like to start first with talk. And I know you have a uh, your degrees are in uh, education and also in instructional design. So tell me um, a little bit about you. What So because you majored in education, I assume, were you one of those people that used to teach to your teddy bears uh, and, and, and animals in your, in your, in your bedroom when you were little? I absolutely was. Yeah. Everyone was my student. Everything was my student. <laughs> It's excellent. So I and and so how did you decide to um to get into the technology uh area? Was that always an interest for you? Well, I actually came into education at a really interesting time for technology. Um, it was right at kind of the transition from overhead projectors to smart boards. Okay. Um, so a lot of my training in college was introducing us to this wide array of mm -hmm. new technologies that were suddenly available to us as teachers. Mm -hmm. um, and that really sparked it. Um, I, I can't say that it was an entirely solo interest either. My husband, who we dated all through high school and college, um, is actually a software developer. Okay. Um, and he designs educational software okay. uh, for school districts to use. So it was definitely something that he helped infuse as well, because he was you know, always an innovator with technology. Um, so he was always showing me, hey, there's this new cool thing that this school's doing or that school's doing and showing me. And so then I was, oh, I got to do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure, sure. That's awesome. Um, I, you know, I came across you because you you wrote a little bit about uh, the transition and using AI. I, I've had people on the show um, over the past few years that have talked about what AI is, what it isn't. Um, and, and some people, uh, as you know, we've seen throughout the news media talk about 
uh, AI taking jobs and what have you. And and uh, there are a lot of people that are warning that AI is going to make our kids uh, less smart. So, um, but you actually um, had a, an opinion that um, we shouldn't fear AI. And so I'd love to first hear um, what, what you're doing, but what you think is behind all of the the fear. Um, and and I, I want to start with by telling you, I, I went, and I think I may have shared this story before with uh, uh, the audience, but I want to share this with you it, briefly, is that I went into a school where uh, they were spending quite a bit of money, time, and effort to keep kids from bringing their cell phones in the classroom. And mm -hmm. as people have heard me say, anyone, anytime I get a soapbox about that, I go, but I'm not, I, I don't have the answer, but I'm just not so sure that's the right thing, given mm -hmm. that kids, all of the time they spend outside of the schoolhouse and those classrooms, they make sense of the world through using this technology. Mm -hmm. So why would you then ban that technology if they, if everything they do outside of that, I mean, from paying for their food, from ordering their food, from yeah. you know, everything that they do um, is is spent that way. Um, why would you exclude that? And and so I imagine AI is the same way and it's going to be the same way is that mm -hmm. they're going to spend more and more time interacting with artificial intelligence. And, um, and so there are a lot of people saying, keep it out of schools because it's going to make kids less smart. So I, I, with that as a starting place, what is it about? So for me, I feel like AI is like every single new technology that has ever hit the market. Um, there's initial fear of what change is going to come from this new technology, mm -hmm. but eventually we just have to embrace it. It isn't going away. It, I think your analogy with the cell phones is spot on, um, because when our job as teachers is to prepare these students for what comes after school, yeah. not to keep them in this bubble of school, <laughs> our job should be to see what they need to be able to do when they leave us and then prepare them to be able to do that. And AI is not leaving the job market. It's only getting more and more infiltrated into the job market. So if we ignore it or ban it or just pretend like it doesn't exist or whatever it is, we're not preparing those kids for what comes after school. And I don't think that they're going to be less smart. They're going to be smart in different ways that we don't even expect or know what that's going to look like. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, and so I think tell, tell me, so tell me what, what are some things like in your wildest dreams? What are, what are some of the things that you see that uh, AI will do to change the way uh, students are, or that you are, or even technology that you're seeing um, now that you've been in education through a lot of these changes, and these are happening yearly, you're yeah. right, they're like these big <laughs> jump leaps and, and bounds. And so what ways are you seeing that they're changing? That the students are changing? Yeah, the students, the students. Oh, I think like the students that I work with, it's a very specialized population of mm -hmm. students. I work for a school um, 
for profoundly gifted students. So these are students who are topping out the classes that are offered at their local public school and then coming to us. Mm -hmm. So for them, AI is just like unlocked a new superpower. <laughs> <laughs> um, some of the mundane tasks yes. of education, they're able to offload to something like that. Okay. Um, and then free up their time, their brain power, their motivation, their energy to be able to do these things that are astounding, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I think in that way, we're, we're changing the focus of what we're teaching um, because it's no longer relevant for them to, you know, learn how to write a form email. Right. right. Yeah. <laughs> when the AI can do that for you, uh, it doesn't make sense to teach them how to do those things. So now we're looking at like what types, where else can they go? Um, and so I'm seeing a lot more motivation from students when you present it to them that way to say, I don't care about the basic stuff. I don't care about the things that AI can do for you. I want to see what you can do on top of the AI. Mm -hmm. um, and I think giving them that perspective helps them to understand how AI could be used, but also that they can go beyond what the machine can do. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you and you you mentioned something and made so the the first word that came to mind as you talked was fear. That mm -hmm. I think there are a lot of people who uh, fear this um, the technology, but I, I've had people raise hypotheticals like, so if if they're getting all this information from Google, what happens if Google crashes? And I go, <laughs> if Google crashes. Writing a form letter or getting some yes. historical fact is going to be the least of our work uh -huh. <laughs> because it's everywhere. Everything is connected through that. So, but I, I want to explore that a little bit because I'm sure people are interested just like I am about say a form letter. So I, I know even, even then um, when, when I was, when I was in, in about to go into high school and the technology then, and I'm dating myself, was using these self-correcting typewriters. And mm -hmm. and I remember people saying, what happens if you don't have a self-correcting typewriter? You need to learn how to use whiteout. <laughs> I know you probably don't even remember what whiteout is, but you had to I know whiteout. Okay. <laughs> just correcting stuff. And and so now that is just so far in the past, it seems like ancient history, but even something like keyboard skills mm -hmm. is, is, is quickly going out of necessity because as the technology and what you're referring to mm -hmm. as AI is everywhere, but a part of artificial intelligence that has gotten incredibly smart is voice recognition. Yeah. And I think that's one that people kind of now dismiss because everyone is like, oh, but that's AI, mm -hmm. right? Is that the fact that we can talk to, I won't call its name because it will, <laughs> it'll activate right here in my room, but, um, but that the, the search engine or the other um, uh, platform through Amazon, um, that those are all uh, examples of AI that we've kind of accepted. We don't have to type in information anymore to ask 
questions to get information. So now, um, like typing and keyboarding. But give me some other examples of ways in which, because when you mention some of the more mundane tasks, like a form letter, what are the other things that you see kids offloading to AI um, or to technology and now getting on and doing other things? So you brought up the example of the typewriter, the self-correcting typewriter. That is exactly it. Like we've been using spell check and grammar check for how long? That's AI. Yes. And that is doing the exact same thing that large language models like ChatGPT are doing. Um, it's replacing a need for knowledge that is recall based. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> like spelling, uh, right? Like right. spelling and grammar. Yes. Right. Um, and now like we have more sophisticated versions of that, like with Grammarly, where it helps you with some style and some tone yeah, elements yeah. of your writing. So again, like all of that is there, but you also have to remember that those things exist because we train them to exist. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that I've been exploring and uh, my team at Learn21 and I were working on a journal article right now about using AI to encourage critical thinking and higher order thinking, um, and specifically looking at the um, prompt engineering aspect of AI, because there is a skill that has to be learned for how to get AI to produce the thing you actually want it to produce. Mm -hmm. um, you, you spoke about the uh, voice assistants. I won't say their names either because it'll have everybody listening, <laughs> scrambling right, right. their devices. Um, but how many times have you had to revise the way that you phrased a request to yes. that voice assistant in order to get the result that you're actually wanting? Yes. Uh, and so that same type of thinking, that critical thought that actually has to take place in order to do that is present in those large language models like ChatGPT. Like mm -hmm. I can tell ChatGPT to write me a form letter. And it's going to spit out something, but it's not necessarily going to be what I want it to be. So then I have to keep going and revising uh, my prompt yeah. to be able to get the product that I want. And that, I think, is the, the critical thinking that we're teaching our students now versus how to write the form letter. Right, right. Like right. How do you prompt the AI to get the letter that you yeah. want? Which brings up an interesting question to me, for me, is... Um, how do you know? How do you know? It, it, it's it's like the if every day is a sunny day, then what is a sunny day, right? Uh -huh. So so how would I know? How do we teach them to know what an acceptable letter is? What acceptable language tone is when you're trying mm -hmm. to persuade or influence? So so is that a different way of teaching on the front end? Mm -hmm. And do you necessarily have to know the the grammar uh, part of it, uh, assuming that it's going to use correct grammar, but, and 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 as you mentioned, the, the language models are programmed to do that, to use mm -hmm. uh, proper grammar, uh, but how do you teach them to know that it mm -hmm. is, this is what I want, this is what I need? I think a lot of it comes down to examples. I know in my classes, we use exemplars for every type of writing that they do. Mm -hmm. They're looking at previously published examples of the same type of writing. They're looking at each other's writing. Okay. Um, and one of the really fun things to do with students with AI, and it 
it kind of helps them to understand the flaws of AI a little bit too, is to have the AI produce a piece of writing to the prompt that was given in class and then let the students rip that piece of writing apart. Okay. okay. <laughs> uh, and a lot of that is recognizing the the effectiveness of the word choices and the sentence mm -hmm. structures and, yeah. Yeah. Um, and being able to talk about that. Um, I think that is probably one of the best ways to teach it is just through example and discussion mm. uh, and, and even using the AI examples. Yeah. 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 Well, I, I, as you were talking, I also, it made me think about um, also that just in terms of teaching models so that mm -hmm. we know, for example, what makes an argument at least in theory, both psychologically and grammatically, what makes an argument a sound argument? And mm -hmm. so if if I teach you the elements of a persuasive argument, you mm -hmm. can then go presumably mm -hmm. and see this is a persuasive argument because it met the elements. Is that more what you're talking about in terms of teaching it on the front end? Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. There's going to have to be some front loading of yeah. that content. And I use examples when I'm front loading as well, but then being able to apply it to those examples. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it's actually a funny story. Many teachers are afraid of cheating, especially writing teachers as I am, that how do we know that AI wrote this essay that I would give, you know, an A plus to, um, and, and my question is, if a student is able to get AI to produce a piece of writing that you would qualify as being acceptable, did the student learn the content that you wanted them to learn? Did they figure out what the elements of a strong argument are, how to incorporate evidence? Because they had to teach that to the AI. <laughs> right. So I would argue that a student who's able to produce acceptable writing through AI might actually be doing more work than the student who's just doing it themselves. Gotcha, gotcha. Because they have to take it that step further to not just know how to do it themselves, but then how to teach the AI to do yeah, it. Yeah. Because well, the and, AI didn't sit in on my class. Right, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, admittedly, when my, you know, when my brain is going a million miles a minute here, uh, is, is that there is something about it that just makes me nervous, but it, but not from the standpoint that I'm afraid to let let people try it or do it. It's the fear of I don't know what we might be missing because it is so new. Is yeah. that what if there's something that that we get down the road here and we really miss? Because in in a lot of ways, I am of the mindset if I don't if if we can move past teaching those mundane tasks and mm -hmm. get to deeper levels of discourse and 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 consideration like wouldn't that be better mm -hmm. is, is that i think about my own education and that so much time was spent especially that i have there's so many friends for example english when that are learning english they live in other countries and they they're trying to learn english and they ask me at times to explain why something. And I go, it's English. You know, it's like I, I read once that English is a weird was, language. It's a weird like <laughs> it's like it's actually three languages pretending to be one. Yeah. And and there's just all these other. So what difference would it make if I 
because sometimes, again, I'm going to date myself, when there was the Roger's Theosaurus, you had to flip through and try to come up when I remember this when I was in, in high school, and that was the threat was that the teacher was like, did you just go and look up synonyms to this and then use it? Or was I able to use it properly? And mm -hmm. so that, and, and so I'd love to hear ways in which you, in addition to AI, but technology, but because I, I also saw where you are ISTE um, certified mm -hmm. as well. Yes. And, yeah. and, um, and so I'd, I'd love to hear about how you're teaching them to, um, to really understand that uh, how to use things properly. So it's a tech, it's a tool, um, but just throwing those SAT words at an essay is not going to be what gets you over. So what are you doing when, when that comes up? Because I imagine some of your teachers, that's part of their concern, right? Yeah. And I think a lot of the issues that we truly need to rethink the model of education that we're using. Mm -hmm. uh, you talked about, you know, in your experience, um, teaching all those mundane tasks, those basic skills, that's not necessary anymore. So like that lecture-based style of teaching has fallen out of favor for good reason. Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, we've moved to more flipped models and personalized education, but now it's like with all of these new technologies available to us, are those models even effective mm -hmm. anymore? And what is the next model of education going to look like? Mm -hmm. Because these technologies aren't going to go away. There's right. no sense in not teaching students how to utilize them effectively and correctly. Mm -hmm. So I don't know what the answer to that question yes. yeah. <laughs> in terms of what the next model of teaching is going to look like. But I feel like we're at that stage now. Um, we've reached like a pinnacle of technological innovation, especially with AI being like the face of that innovation that now we have to reconsider so much about what we're teaching and how we're teaching it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and that it may result in an entirely new model of education that we mm -hmm. have not seen yet, seen yet. just mm -hmm. as happened in the past when yes. things like thesaurus and calculators and all of those tools that offloaded some of that rote memory type of yeah. learning. Yeah required a need for higher level thinking discussions and all of those things that weren't in education before. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and so, so far, most of our conversation has been directed at what the kids know and are able to do. <laughs> now I want to pivot just a little bit because you've been, you've been doing training um, in, mm -hmm. in, um, education for teachers. Now you're switching, you're doing a lot of stuff in online. I don't know if you are completely online uh, now, uh, yeah. but I'd love to hear about that. Um, but we, we've come a long way in that regard. But what about teachers? What are you seeing that teachers first know and are able to do? I guess most, more and more of them are coming into education that are, as I will frame it, digital natives, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And and so that's gonna help one piece, but what about the training and education of teachers? Are they, are they getting the background that they need through professional development? Unfortunately, I don't think they are. And I mm -hmm. think that's where a lot of the fear comes okay. in. Yeah. 
they just don't know what they don't know. And yeah. so it's seen as this boogeyman almost. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. Well, then let's just ban it. If I don't know how to use it, then the students shouldn't be allowed to use it type of a mentality. And I, I completely understand that um, because you don't know how to handle it. Yeah. Um, so we are working very hard to create PD that does address those concerns. Um but again, the technology is also changing so constantly yeah. that it's almost impossible to keep up with it. I mean, it not almost, it is impossible yeah. to keep yeah. up with the changing technology in any type of way to, to roll out large PD yeah. um, that takes years, it yeah. seems like, to get the funding and the resources and then to get everyone on board. Um, so... I think as with almost everything in education, mm -hmm. it's like we're going to be chasing behind the technology. Um, and that's something that we've seen historically with mm -hmm. education because it's so mm -hmm. hard to move such a giant machine of schools. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and and just thinking about how technology is just now with with you know cars being the way they are, uh, more and more technology going into cars, um, not just electric cars, but the, where you can talk to your car. I don't, you know, the day, you know, we we we're asking more, more and more for the car to to take us somewhere, and we trust the. So there's there's all of that technology as well, and so. Uh, I, I just go back to what you said at the very beginning is that we should be teaching our students how to function in the outside world and mm -hmm. not not ban it in our schools mm -hmm. and then say, now go out and use it in every <laughs> single thing that they're doing. Um, yes, absolutely. I think that fear is a big part of it with our teachers. Um, I'm glad that just to know and that, that there are teachers out there like you that um, have this desire to um, to make it a part of of what students experience. And so in our last few minutes, I'd, I'd love to hear a little more. So I know you've made a uh, as you've described it, a switch to online education. What does that look like? What are you doing exactly? So even before COVID, online schools existed. I don't know if right. people realize that yeah, yeah, it wasn't yeah. just a response to a pandemic that caused online schools to come around. Uh, so I've actually been teaching at a fully online school for seven years. Really? <laughs> I know, yeah. like long before COVID. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was actually very funny when the pandemic hit, our students and our faculty, we all were commenting like, well, life really hasn't changed too much for us. <laughs> Everyone's talking about these giant changes and I still go to work the same way I went to work every day and students still went to class the same way they went to class every day. Um, so I do teach at a fully online school. Uh, it's very small school um, and it has only been in existence for seven years as well. So like I came on right at the very beginning um, and helped to build what the school is today. Um, but I, I think that more teachers who are willing to put in the time to learn the technology mm -hmm. would probably prefer to teach online mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, if given the choice um, and if given the knowledge they need to be able to do such a thing. Um, 
I honestly fear that there will be a, an even larger teacher shortage because of the technology, um, because teachers who are well into their tenure are not going to want to continue yeah. if that's the way education is going. Um, and then younger teachers obviously are are not as willing, I don't think, to yeah. jump into this profession. <laughs> well, wow. Yeah. I mean, and that we could go all, a whole other conversation <laughs> a about different online, conversation, right, yes. Right? Um, <laughs> but um that that is fascinating. Well, listen, I am just really thankful that you took the time out of your day uh to come on and 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 I'm sure because you've definitely enlightened me um, uh, this with everything that you've, you've said here. And I'm sure the educators and leaders um, would would appreciate it too. Um, so just in parting, I, what advice do you have for someone who is in a leadership role, principal, um, given what you've seen in terms of the lack of, of professional development and and this fear really around the, the country around it. What advice do you have for principals, school leaders, district leaders around what they should be doing next um, to 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 help integrate uh, the technology and specifically AI into their uh, education system? I think the biggest reason for the fear is the unknown. And so my first piece of advice would be to get in there and try it out see what these programs can do and what they can't do um, and work with your teachers and let them try it out. Um, at our annual conference this past fall, we did an AI campground. It was all camp themed, very fun. Okay. Uh, <laughs> but essentially what we did was we set up stations with different AI programs already loaded on devices around the room and gave certain prompts for each type. Um, and just had teachers come in and administrators and tech directors and all of the, the leaders in education come in and just play around with it uh, a little bit. Yeah. See what it is and yeah. what it's not. Don't just trust, you know, what somebody said in an sure. article or I heard sure. this on Facebook or whatever yeah. uh, about what these tools are and what they can do. And I think all technology is the same way. Like, the goal is to get people to just get in and play with it mm -hmm, mm -hmm. because once you play with it, you figure it out and it's no longer the unknown. And so yeah. you're not afraid of it anymore. Yeah. So I think a lot of that fear comes from the unknown. And I think that if we just encourage those leaders to play around with it a little bit and give them opportunities, um, I know for teachers, it's like, when do I have time to do that? If you had a PD that was just, here's a tool, play around with it and figure out how you might use it in your yeah. classroom. <laughs> yeah. yeah, good. Well, I, I'm I'm sure there're <laughs> going to be people follow that advice. Again, yeah. thank you so much for being on with me today. Um wishing you the best in your classrooms. Um I guess your your um your classroom is your home as well. So you you This is my classroom. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. So, um wishing you the best. Um go well, stay well. Thank you so much.